0: Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warnder, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive into today's episode of Design Huddle. All right, guys, welcome back to Design Huddle. Today, we have the, the mastermind behind UX Goodies, also known as Iwana. Iwana, thank you for joining us. We were joking before, you know, starting to record this podcast that I was struggling with your full name. Can you tell everyone your full name, please?
1: Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, my full name goes like this. Iwana Adriana. <laughs>
0: it's actually not that hard. I'm just not that <laughs> smart. So.
1: <laughs> no, I think that Romanian, it's hard to pick up by uh, non romanians So in all honesty, I saw everyone struggling with saying it, right? So don't worry. Don't be too harsh on yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I mean, let's just start where most people probably know you from. Um, you know, I came across you probably like six months to a year ago at this point. Um, you run a very, very popular uh, Instagram handle UX goodies, which I think if you follow Brendan and I, we've referenced it before. It's really a, just a great resource for all designers. I think you've been changing your format up, um, a little bit with, uh, some newer content lately, but you have over 65,000 followers, which is just insane. Like that's crazy <laughs> how much growth you've had. And, um, I also wanted to give a shout out, I did, like, I did was, you know, doing, digging in a little bit, and I love your pure in pastels handle as well. (laughs) It's very aesthetically pleasing, so, like, I'm also, it's, I think it's more of, like, a, you know, I don't, it's just beautiful travel photos, I guess, is how I would classify it, but... If you're interested in travel photos, I I recently, I actually followed you on that handle as well today. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) So.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Let's start from the top. So how did you come up with the idea of UX Goodies? What year was it? And like, what was the original, like, you know, idea for starting it?
1: So the year was last year. (laughs) It was actually July last year. So UX Goodies uh, just had its first year anniversary recently. Um, the idea came up um, for a very personal purpose so what happened was that I wanted to create this sort of system that would uh, help me build a discipline in which to learn something new on UX every day so um, I didn't know exactly how to Uh, encourage myself to stick to uh, this habit of researching some new subject on a daily basis. So this idea of making it public um, came uh, came about. Um, At first, I didn't really see its potential because the growth was very, very slow in the beginning and I wasn't even aiming for growth. I was just aiming for educating myself into sticking to a learning routine on a daily basis so in the beginning it was really just a personal project but now it's uh, more of a public community and of course the the potential it has and the purpose i give it today is different from what it was one year ago when it was just me myself learning new stuff
0: (laughs) yeah i and i i started to do the same where, where like instagram actually is really good at building out a community And you, you know, like, I think the fact that, you know, you and I, you know, originally connected just through Instagram DMs and kind of were sharing some things that we liked, best practices, et cetera. So yeah, I I love the idea of just like, and the growth has been awesome. I think it speaks to your quality and the consistency that you always deliver. Do you have any like feedback for someone that wants to have a, you know, they, they have, they're really concentrated with, you know, Instagram's huge, right? So something that we talk about a lot is that if you want to grow, you need to find like what your, what your niche is. Uh, yeah. So Obviously, UX has a, has a really strong growing niche on Instagram. What other advice do you have for someone that wants to kind of grow their handle and, and start to get more of a following?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exactly like you said earlier that um, the two most important points for growth is uh, delivering quality. So having posts that you really invest energy and time and try to refine them as much as possible. So uh, quality is one thing, and the other thing is consistency in the sense of uh, posting every day. Because uh, yeah, somehow I don't know if it's the Instagram algorithm or what it is. It's just maybe that you get more you get interaction on your uh, profile every day. But I th- I found that it's important to to make it to post daily. So uh, yeah, I actually is... I ran
0: an experiment. So I did like a D de- uh, like a social media detox recently. And I went from posting consistently, uh, like every day for like, you know, two weeks, and then I basically took two weeks off. And mm-hmm. uh, the post that I posted after the two weeks, my engagement was probably close to 25 to 30% lower than, you know, when I when I took that hiatus. Which is like, for me, it's a little concerning because there's this, uh, there's a there's a bigger trend that's happening right now of this digital wellness. So it's like, so it's almost reinforcing like, you know, people to stay on the platform. So I don't want to get too much into like the Instagram algorithm, but I did think it's it it is interesting that uh, consistency is important. So if you have the time to consistently give high quality content, at least what's your recommendation? Once a day a few times a week any anything that you would recommend in that front
1: yeah so I also tried some experimenting and playing here and there to see to to try to figure things out and the thing is that uh, posting more than once a day didn't really work for me so just one post every day is the um, the winning recipe that I discovered on my niche experimenting with my community I think it's a really interesting debate you were uh, about to start here about the ethics of um, social media and encouraging others to post daily. Because somehow, yeah, I kind of feel this little guilt that I'm I'm inviting people to. Of course, this is just for people that want to grow their Instagram community. This is not an advice for everybody. Hey, use social media every day more and more. Because, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, I think that there is this uh, bad side to it in the sense that there are days when I I feel this anxiety that I need to post. I cannot skip a day because then my algorithm will be screwed. So, uh, yeah, there are some downsides to it. And I think that we should really, and everybody looking to grow uh, the Instagram or the YouTube or whatever media channel they have um, should also take care of at their of their digital well-being yeah. like you said yeah so I, that's, be, a,
0: that's a great points um, yeah
1: be, be mindful about it because otherwise you can really get trapped in this spiral of everyday uh, anxiety and uh, commenting and answering and uh, yeah it's it's fun but after some point it can be that uh, it can be a little toxic. Yeah, I I think, I
0: think it's just finding that balance, right? You really want to just make sure whatever your personal goals are, whether it's for fun, for, you know, as a, as a way to get more leads for your business, it's just finding whatever that balance is. So I think it's a, it's a very personal thing. And a lot of these bigger handles are run by entire teams. So it's a lot easier to manage expectations, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, we'll, we'll come back to UX goodies, but I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, your UX career in general. So, Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got into UX uh, what you're currently doing I know you you're currently working at UiPath right yeah that's right Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what your role is at UiPath and how you got there
1: okay so um, I started at UiPath in January this year so the new year brought really new stuff for me Um, I joined UiPath after nine years in banking uh, I worked with uh, ING Bank for all this time. So I was kind of very, I was feeling very comfortable and it was like a family to me. And yeah, it was a bit, uh, I don't know if it took necessarily courage, but it, it, it wasn't, I don't know, getting out of the comfort zone. And this is something that I would advise anybody that's uh, wondering whether they should make a change in their careers or switch jobs or try new stuff that it's really important to go against your comfort. Um, How can I call it? Uh, It's a tendency to keep the comfort and the safe zone and stay in the safe zone. So you have to fight it and go and explore new stuff because UiPath has really brought me uh, an immense growth in this. uh, I think it's already seven months I'm with them. Yeah, so um, I joined them in January. I worked for a while in the marketing team. So we were working in a small design team that tried to optimize the website, how, what people uh, understood about uh, the RPA industry from the website, uh, Try to guide them to the other platforms that uh, UiPath has. So the, the learning uh, platform academy or... Um, yeah, uh, just just uh, build a website that helps people get where they need to get as a UiPath um, client, partner, uh, developer, whatever the role was. So uh, yeah, this was a brief uh, time in marketing. And now for uh, the past few months, I've been working at uh, one of the core products, so this is quite an interesting challenge a challenge for a designer that's not a naturally technical person. Now I have to pick up this really technical product and learn to, and first of all, understand how it works, uh, deeply understand how it works, um, and understand who the persona is for an RPA uh, tool. Because, uh, yeah, it's kind of a new industry, um there's not that much research information available. You have to uh somehow uh you act like a pioneer in uh in understanding how people use and interact with RPA. Whether it's the of course, there are the salespeople or the business people that implement RPA in their companies, but there's another person using it. So maybe it's the same with most enterprise solutions. But yeah, it's an interesting challenge and um after working uh, for many years on only retail solutions, so that reached the end user, uh, a client, a retail client, now uh, it's really interesting to work on a B2B solution. So understand more the RPA, the enterprise uses. Yeah, totally.
0: Enterprise is a totally different set of users, different use cases, a lot of the process changes. Um, So yeah, I, I totally... Uh, it's really interesting. The one thing that stuck out to me, so you started in the banking industry. When you were in the banking industry or financial services, did you uh, were you a designer there or did you transition into a UX career?
1: So um, I was a designer for the past years in uh, ING Bank, but I wasn't a designer from the very beginning. Actually, I started out uh, really small in the call center. And uh, yeah, I grew my way up uh, from there. Uh, after switching two three positions I um, I joined the team of uh, the internet banking product of the bank which was the juiciest of course and the most fun to be in so uh, at first I did some um, it was a content management position which was not very well defined in terms of what the role was but i did a lot of things and helped the team with everything i could because we were launching this new product that was kind of non-banking and trying to disrupt a little the banking market so yeah nobody kind of knew how to how to tackle this challenge of a non-banking platform uh so yeah in the beginning i i did all sorts of things, but then I uh, kind of fell in love with the idea, of with, with everything I saw uh, designers doing, and uh, with what the design, there were other UX designers in the team at the time, so apart from, uh, besides from falling up in love with the design uh, role, I also was fascinated with uh, the people around me. So I had the opportunity to learn a lot from them and observe them and understand, okay, so you need to have this type of uh, uh, discovery meetings where we try to really define the problem that we're setting to solve and stuff like that. So I uh, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by designers and uh yeah grow along them so this is why i uh, this is why i think that ux good is powerful because i i hope it offers other people the the opportunity
0: of uh, getting exposure to good ux yeah i yeah, i like, exactly. couldn't i couldn't agree more and like that's kind of why i started design huddle as a side project i i have a very similar story as you like i had a business degree in college like i had i was always interested in like graphic design a little bit but ux ux as a career wasn't as like um I guess respected, or is it really was an unknown career path. And I started, I, so I, I started my career at, uh, at GE General Electric in their financial services division. So we actually have some overlap where we were both in financial services, which is like, you know, it has its pros and cons. It tends to be a little bit slower moving because there's so much, you know, processes and compliance you have to go through. But um, very similar to you, which I think is like, uh, there's a lot of overlap, is I had a really good mentor. So I got exposure to a UX designer. And that was my moment when I was like, this is something that like I'm really enjoying. Like I, I I love solving problems, I love working with people, and I really like the web. Like I like working on the internet, I like digital products, like I like where the future of the web is going. So that 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 for me was like, this is what I want to do full time. And to your point, it's sometimes it's not as easy as like you, you know, the next you know, a week from now, you're like, I'm a UX designer now. Sometimes it's like taking on a side project, you know doing a lot of, uh, you know, research on your own, watching YouTube, et cetera. So um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about what was it? Was there a moment that you said, I really, I really want to get, maybe not be a UX designer, but maybe I want to make UX a more focal point of my career. And if there, and if, in addition to that, was there any resources or things that you started to do to get like, you know, the baseline of like what a UX designer is and how to get started?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um in the beginning actually it was really not not that clear what the design role um entailed in its entirety. So, I kind of got a sense of the bits and pieces that I saw around the office <laughs> happening. But uh, I couldn't really understand if I am able to do it, if I'm fit for this role. What, what, what do you need to know or learn or what, what's the skill set of a designer? So uh, what I, what I uh, did in the beginning was look for uh, some um, courses or learning opportunities, real life. So just go and attend the real life course because uh, I, I I really felt like I needed to have a person in front of me that explained what, what UX is and, and uh, me being able to ask a lot of questions and clarify all the uh, fogginess that uh, was built up around me so um, yeah I I went at the real life course so this is something that I always advise young designers to maybe if there's not a course in their area or in their community just look for the closest designer that they admire and invite them out for a coffee and ask all the questions and the clarifications that they need Uh, this was one thing the other thing was uh, of course uh, researching a lot on the internet but the problem on the internet is that if you're just a beginner it's really hard to filter Information and you're not sure if you're reading the right thing or if you're not able to um, critique or really understand if the content you've stumbled upon is quality. So, uh, yeah, I think that this is also important to find some uh, very trustful sources like uh, Nielsen Norman's. Uh, uh, articles or um, I don't know interaction design foundations and and build a list of sources that you really trust and try to um, explore them as much as possible so uh, and also yeah as I said earlier talking to other designers that were already doing it was super helpful and uh, really helped me to get some orientation and understanding of what this is and if I think I'm able to learn and do it and yeah, I think I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree. That's that's uh, it's just funny that uh, the more designers I talk to, this it's like a very similar path. It's just a lot of it figuring it out your on your own and it, there's such a human element in design naturally that, you know, talking to people is obviously the best way to, you know, get experience and ask the right questions is it actually a part of being a good designer. So, Um, so something else that we're, we're starting to try on design huddle is like a little bit more, we're going to try to, I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions. You don't have to answer them quickly, but I'm just going to give you a few and just, you know, first answers that come off your head. Um, some of them will probably drill in further, but the first one I have is what's the most common question you get in your DMS for UX goodies.
1: Yeah. So the most common question is, um, how can I learn UX design? (laughs) How can I become a UX designer? And, 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 And And what's your answer? Yeah, and the answer is uh, one that I got the chance to refine in this whole year I've been answering this question. I think that it's a mix of elements, but um, first of all, yeah, it's all the things that I said earlier. Look for a course. Read online, but really start with the very trustful sources because otherwise it can become even more confusing if you explore all the internet content that's dodgy <laughs> sometimes. So um, trustful sources, find a course, find designers in your area, or if it's not available, just DM a Instagram designer or somebody you admire on LinkedIn and ask them to have a quick conversation or chat or even Skype call, anything To clarify all the questions you have at that point. Another thing that you can do is uh, try a dummy project. So uh, take uh, research a little what the UX process is, Uh, map out the main stages that the classic UX process entails, and then try to get a, a small idea or app idea or anything, redesigning an app any any subject you like and go take it through that process. So just to explore everything. You do interviews, uh, you do, I don't know, uh, surveys, uh, do some research on your own, then try to uh, do even, I, I don't know how much fun card sorting is on your own, but just to go through the process and, uh, yeah, get to wireframes, prototype, try to test your prototype and so on. So go through the process. This is another thing. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important to, um, to try to stay informed all the time. So uh, bookmark uh, Instagram accounts or YouTube channels that teach UX and or design in general. And, and listen to podcasts is super important for me. It's really a great source of uh, learning. And uh, also it helps me refine my own.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you're crushing it right now. So we might have to get you on as like a monthly a monthly, uh, a monthly monthly guest <laughs> because this is just Woohoo! a lot of uh, design gems that you're just dropping on the audience, which is always awesome. Um, what, do you think, what do you think the most challenging part of being a UX, like being, it doesn't have to be a UX designer, but what's the most challenging part about being in a UX c- career?
1: I think what's challenging is the fact that um, even if you support your job with data, Uh, I think data shouldn't dictate design, it should inform it. And I think that the most challenging thing for me is that sometimes I'm not sure whether I'm right. So even if I do all the usability testing in the world, even if I do super proper research and get uh, qualitative, quantitative data, everything, do everything as the process says, and even more, at the end, I'm still not super sure that it's it's really the a delightful interaction that the users will love and sometimes after i launch something uh, i uh, i i i really afterwards get to the missing ingredient and f- discover it and then yeah but um i think that it's a challenge that sometimes you're not sure if you're doing the right thing cuz it's a very uh, creative and you need a lot of intuition and yeah data helps a lot but at the same time you cannot rely 100% of uh, on on the data you have. You have to, I don't know, maybe interpret it or or adjust it. I I'm not adjust it. How can I say? Yeah, just use it for to inform your design decisions. Yeah, and not... the data
0: driven versus data informed is absolutely the right mindset in my eyes because, uh, like the things that data doesn't, there's still some human elements where there's not going to be a data point to tell you how a user is responding. So exactly. <laughs> I, I, Thank you
1: for helping me. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I
0: mean, your explanation spot on. I, I think like a lot of people, a lot of businesses want to hear like, where well, they're so data focused. You know, this is a data-driven company." But it really should be like data as is is like another piece of the puzzle to help you figure out is this the right exactly. is this the right solution to the problem that we're trying to solve. Exactly. Um, cool. So one of the one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is, did you what did you study in university?
1: Yeah. So I studied, uh, it's communications and public relations. And, uh, it's a, it's a very, I don't know how to call it. It's eclectic is the word, but we had a lot of different things that we studied from philosophy, a lot of philosophy to, uh, economic stuff. <laughs> was, project there, was there management. any classes
0: that you really liked, like in college that you think, like helped your, like helped your career? Cause I, like, I was having a conversation recently with one of my friends about being like, and I was like, I think there's only like, you know, a handful of classes that I took in university yeah. that directly make me more effective at my current job. So I was just curious, like, is there any courses that you took that you maybe you didn't think it would be as valuable as it is? But I, I'm just curious, maybe you don't re- like, I only remember like the ones that were interesting. So uh, yeah, I'm just curious. You don't have to have an answer either. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have an answer. Actually, the thing is that uh there were some interesting courses, yeah. So there were some courses I don't even know how to translate this into English. It's uh, like the studies of images, but not images as in uh photography, or is the images in the cultural in the in the culture. Uh so we studied the uh, the symbolic uh, the symbolism of uh, I don't know, some traditional uh, stories or legends of uh, it, it was kind of an imagery Imagery is this word? Yeah, Imagery in the traditional space. So this was really interesting because it it really gave you an insight on the cultural uh, legacy that we have and how how the but of course it was very Romanian based so and, uh, it didn't apply universally but still it was very interesting and uh, yeah there are some other. Um, Courses that at the time didn't seem so useful, but then after a few years, I I remembered that there was something in there that was super valuable, and then I went back and revisited the course at university because at 20 years, I wasn't really able to appreciate the content that
0: was uh, I delivered totally to agree. me and.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because we go through school at an age where we can't really... You don't, <laughs> we you don't just understand, like, like,
0: I feel like now, like, you know, I'm almost 30 and I would appreciate it so much more now Like some of the courses yeah. I took. And I think it's also because we have real-world examples to apply it. Like, everything in school, and I think this is where, like, people struggle with university, is it's all, like, you know... Uh, like you're reading about case studies, right? You're reading about scenarios that you could be in. And now you're like, I've been in a scenario like that. I've run into these problems. Like I could be, the, I could be the business use case. So yeah, I didn't mean to go down to the talk about like university, but I've been reflecting more on my, uh, my college days. Cause I had some cousins recently graduate, but um, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's super interesting. Um, So you talked a little bit about, you know, like designing a good experience and you've been, you've, it sounds like you've been pretty focused on like products on the web, like in your, in your, in your opinion, like what, what do you think makes a good like web experience?
1: I think that um, it's really interesting that now there are the web standards that ever, you know, they're ever evolving and growing. And I think that uh, you don't really see that many bad websites anymore. So now uh, I think that there's this usability standards that kind of all the websites meet. But what makes the difference now is the ability to uh, turn it into a really, what we call the wow experience or a very delightful experience. So I think that apart from doing a good job, a pretty good job, just enough, you can you can deliver a story. So I, I think that in terms of um, websites and, um, yeah, even any any sorts of uh web products i think that the story is what makes the difference today and of course having this usability um delights little delightful elements that can differentiate from the rest of the world (laughs) which is kind of now i think that i think that usability is in a good place and it's going to be in a ever getting better (laughs) place
0: no i think i think so i think so too um you know the web the web has absolutely come a long way and i agree that like, on average the quality is like much better and people understand where things are at so i think it's like the one thing that i think is interesting that designers struggle with is like when do you play it safe and just go with like a design that everyone knows versus really trying to come up with a new innovative an innovative way to solve a problem like one thing in particular that i've been interested in as an example for people listening is you know, forever on, on the mobile web, we've had the hamburger, you know, in the upper left, click the hamburger menu. And which is, if you're not familiar with the hamburger menu, it's just the three lines that kind of look like a hamburger. Um, So one of the trends that I've been seeing on the mobile web, so not native apps, like not Android or on iOS, but on the mobile web is menus coming down to the bottom of the viewport, closer to the user's thumbs. So it's easier to click and navigate and you're actually making it less difficult to kind of navigate. So, That's one example of something that I think is, it's not like revolutionary, but I really like that, you know, companies that are starting to kind of embrace that. Is there anything that you've seen that like you you like and how do you balance between playing it safe and being a little bit more, uh, you know, risky? Taking a risk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that this is a very interesting question, and I think that it's a, a one of. If you asked me earlier about the challenges of being a designer, it's it's this is one of the challenges. Yeah, playing it safe and going by the really tried and tested uh, solutions, or trying to experiment uh, something more riskier or more innovative, which of course can cost you if it's not implemented well. So it's a it's a are taking. Um, yeah, and uh, just uh, just to uh, get back a little to your point, I think that uh, it's like the example you gave with the drawer that's from the bottom, um, oh, that's opening from the bottom. I think that uh, all the research, uh, uh, since we're um, more and more researching how people use, Use their mobiles and the web and so on. I think that uh, yeah, the standards are ch- are changing, and we we get the opportunity to evolve as a growing organism. Uh, all the designers that are are uh, adopting these interactions, um, riskier interactions. I think that are are. Um, are what can differentiate you what I was saying earlier, but at the same time, I think that you should do extra usability testing. <laughs> I think that it's really uh, they they really require uh, extra validation in the prototyping phase, so I think that this is how you can make sure that you're not going too far or that uh, things are still understood, and that because if you do something that's uh uh too far from the mental model that the users have it's going to be of course a bit counterintuitive, and uh yeah that's when you can you can really confuse your users even if it's the most beautiful and pretty and uh animated interface so yeah a- every risk you take should be very well super super tested i, I love and in that terms, i love that yeah.
0: advice it's such kind of guys, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I can't really think of a micro interaction that I've liked because it's uh, I've seen stuff, I, I see stuff every day here and there that uh, um, how can I call them M- micro, micro delights <laughs> that uh, but yeah, the apps that I use mostly, most of the time, like Instagram <laughs> or Facebook, don't do them that much often, so yeah, this is something that uh. <laughs>
0: I, I, so a few things there. Number one is I love the idea of like the more risky the change to the UI, like the more you should validate it with users. Obviously, higher risk could also be high reward. A lot of companies want to be known as like, you know, their, their digital presence is the reflection of their physical presence for a lot of places that have brick and mortar stores. So how do you, how do you convey that you're like a tech forward company? Well, a lot of it is like coming up with an innovative UI or features or making that experience great so users are like, you know, the, be- the best way I think of like a great user experience is if an experience is so good that you go out of your way to share it with someone. Like, of course, you can complete the task, but if someone that doesn't care about design is like, check out, how- check out this feature in this app or on this website, that means those UX designers exceeded expectations and they truly delighted your users. It's a lofty thing. It's very difficult to do. But chances are they took some risks down the line and they validated them along the way. So I think that's great advice is that if you take risks, but as you take risks, just make sure that you're running and you're, there's some checkpoints and validations to make sure I think we're on the right track. Because if you didn't do that, obviously, you risk of having a terrible experience, users not liking it, not understanding it, and then whatever their goal is, they're not able to complete it. And you know, as a designer, we didn't solve this problem that we were trying to solve.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, yeah, so that I just kind of wanted to summarize, but I think that was that's a phenomenal point. Um, we haven't talked too much about that. I also loved your idea of uh, like microtransactions and like micro delights. I actually think that's a phenomenal way of thinking about it. I really truly believe that UX is good. UX designers pay attention to details, right? So if there's you know 50 steps in a process, it's what are those little things that are annoying? What are those little pain points? So, is there anything that, like, any recommendations on, um, like, finding those pain points? Like, do you go through it personally? Is there things that you can do to, like, be proactive and, like, I don't know. I guess what I'm getting at is, is like, is there ways to um, find pain points and provide feedback into the solution? Or, like, it, it, like iterate the solution to accommodate and fix those problems?
1: Yeah, I think that um, usability testing is something that you can. It's the most basic thing you can do to uh, try to discover pain points in your design. Um, even if you're looking at a product that's already there and you're just trying to improve it, uh, take the time to meet users. I think this is this is the most powerful research tool that designers have: uh, observing the users face to face. So I think that uh, for me, where where the cases, the the setups in which I was able to uh, extract the most valuable insights were the ones in which I was face-to-face with the user and I was able to observe him and observe the faces that he did or the the hesitations that he had. Uh, This is how you really discover the pain points that are not obvious. Because otherwise, if you have a very obvious pain point, be sure that everyone will tell you about it. So if it's a a live product and there's something really shitty about it, people will tell you. Because as you said earlier, there are two reasons. Apart from the reason that people love your product, they're going to talk about it uh, if they dislike it or there's something really frustrating with it. So the pain points that are really frustrating will be will be communicated. But if you want to discover the finer or uh, less visible uh, pain points, then you have to observe them really carefully. So act like a little, I don't know, detective that's trying to spot uh, this uh, little, I don't know, uh, change in his looks or a little gesture that he does when when he's using your prototype or real life product. So uh, yeah, I think that pain points are something... Uh, that actually it, there are job role <laughs> finding pain points and uh yeah improving them or it's it's
0: funny too it's to your point it's like usually feedback comes from poor experiences so it's like people that are dissatisfied are usually the loudest
1: yeah so, exactly but i also
0: tell i tell ux designers and i like i talk to other designers as well all the time and i always say like you know you, you know your family members are UX designers, right? Because, like, they use experiences. They can provide feedback. Like, so explaining UX design in, a, in, a more, in an easy way, I, I try to do a lot because I think it's a great career. I think that's why I'm so passionate about, like, talking to other designers like yourself, learning about, like, your process, what, you're, what motivates you. So we kinda, we've come to a good point. Um, I wanted to talk, like, lastly on two things. One, the future of design, and then I want to talk a little bit more about where people can connect with you. Uh, across the, across the web. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the future of design. What do you think like UX design is going to look like? Like, I don't know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Is there any industries that you're, you're particularly interested in? Is there any like, you know, technologies that you're interested in?
1: well actually i i've been uh, i i got this question uh a few times in the past months and i've been trying to think of an answer and to be really honest i'm not sure where the ux industry is heading what i know is that designers are going to get more and more better so there's this new Um, growing wave of designers and they're gaining experience, they're working on different uh, products, they have various, uh, they have very diverse experiences, so they're going to get better and better. So I do believe that experiences will get better and better and then we're getting back to the earlier point that it's going to be a challenge to differentiate your experience from other really good experiences that are going to be out there. This is like, uh, I think, uh, the trend for designers that they're going to be ever better. Um, in terms of technologies, maybe I'm biased by the fact that I work in the RPA industry, but I'm really curious how uh, uh, the automation of processes and uh, maybe even the automation of design, <laughs> which I think is scary for UX designers. But uh, I'm, I'm really curious whether there's going to be, how, how this will evolve both uh, as an industry in itself, the RPA industry, of automi- automi- automizing uh, business processes and so on just so that people know what the uh, RPA stands for uh, robotic process automation so uh, yeah I'm curious in this industry because I'm in it and I'm, I've become very passionate about the subject so I'm trying to To foresee where where it will how it will evolve, but also I think that um, yeah, there's we're gonna see more and more of voice operated interfaces and all the maybe um, VR and all these new technologies that of course will have an impact on how we design and the requirements of our design to be able designs will have to uh, to answer this new mediums that are, are going to grow out there so yeah i'm i'm trying to interact every day with uh, alexa just to understand how we can design for, no, for sure. uh, com- robots
0: yeah com- conversation <laughs> design is a very real thing that people are going to have to be thoughtful of but it's funny that the answer to your question is it's like uh, my question you know what's what's the future of design look like and in a way you're you're already in like a future like a future industry <laughs> you're literally yeah. you know autom- what is are our, our, is robotic uh, process,
1: process, automation. process
0: automation, yeah. So, like, like did that did that industry exist ten years ago? Probably, <laughs> probably not, or maybe like a variation of it. So it's funny that you're in a career that's already like I think probably a few steps ahead of some other industries.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's changing the way we work.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 super. I I think it's exciting, but I think the takeaway too it, for you know people listening is that whether you're a designer or not, maybe you're thinking about getting into design, maybe you just, you know, you have a side passion for design, is that designers are always going to have a role because designers are just, you know, they're taking something and they're solving a problem and they're humanizing technology. Technology is not going anywhere. So as new platforms come out and new experiences come out, it's just going to be our job to make sure that we, you know, are as thoughtful as possible that it's adding value to a user and the user a lot of time is like you know that's that's your mom that's your dad that's your brother it's your sister it's people that that are around us so the more empathy we have as designers the more effective we're going to be at you know taking these new technologies and using them for good in a thoughtful way so that's just kind of my like you know soapbox about about that but um so you want to? Where can people find you on the web? I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is like probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done. I think you, you and I also align very a lot of our uh, a lot of our uh, like I guess like vision and how we think about UX is very similar. So I, I definitely enjoy that. But let's tell the people where they can find you. Any other interesting side projects you're working on? Um, yeah, I let, let the people know.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have some interesting uh, side projects and ideas, but I'm going to share them with the world, uh, not, not right, right now, now. <laughs> so people <laughs> stay tuned. And you can stay tuned for my personal projects on UX goodies on Instagram. And also, uh, which is just
0: an awesome name, by the way. UX goodies is so good. It's like you don't have any weird, like, da, you know. It's just like it's simple. It has UX in the title. It's awesome. Very jealous of that of that handle.
1: What's fantastic is that it's the first name I chose, and I stuck to it. I, I really so I I. I thought I gave it a 20 minutes thought <laughs> what, what should I name this page I'm gonna name it UX goodies and now it's kind of a I don't know for me it's a brand because I hear it every day so it's like Nike <laughs> but this is just for me yet <laughs> okay so they can find me on UX goodies on Instagram also I have a UX goodies Facebook page but uh, yeah, most of my content goes on Instagram, and then maybe I reshare some parts. And on Facebook, I uh, I try to uh, share articles that I like, uh, that I enjoy reading, and also uh, everybody who wants to follow me on LinkedIn, they can do it at Iwana Adriana Telenu, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to find. But you can find me on Instagram, and I'll then put I'll... The, I'll put
0: the links. All the links are going to be in the episode uh, notes. So click the links. You know, obviously this is a, a no brainer of someone that you should definitely follow. Um, last questions before we leave. This is a new segment. It's called Do you believe in aliens? Yes or no? <laughs>
1: wow, this is not the yes or no question. <laughs> I know. All
0: right, sorry, it's not yes or no. What's your what's your what's your take on it? Do you believe in aliens?
1: Yeah. I think it's a it's an it's a it's a fantastic debate and I have it very often with my friends (laughs) because yeah uh, I think that people have strong opinions about this this is what's the most interesting part that people really are very serious about the subject in terms of believing there are no aliens you people are insane or the the ones who do believe in aliens are very articulate and uh and opinionated about it so I'm somewhere in the gray area to be honest <laughs> I, I I cannot uh, I do believe that there is so much um infinite space out there that there's it, the 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 statistical chance of not having life on other planets is uh it's it's absurd there there must be something living out there i don't know if it's shaped like us most probably not so it's not like they're depicted in the movies with the big eyes but two hands and two legs i don't think they look like us i think there's something completely different i don't know what it is i hope we're gonna find out uh, while i'm still alive
0: <laughs> I, I, I love it i love it there but you. i
1: think there are yeah i think at least at the bacteria level or or other forms of life i'm sure they're out there it's impossible not to it's it's, it's mathematics, statistics. <laughs>
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, aliens, they're out there. Woo! <laughs> um, but thank you, thank you again so much. Just some few, few like this episode. It has a ton of stuff, so I definitely recommend listening to it you know, a few times. But some th- things that things that I pulled out um, that I, I loved is the data informed design is the way to go versus data driven. I think that's a phenomenal call. Um, taking risks in, and balancing it with user studies that's a, one of the best points I've heard in design huddle so far. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, getting started in UX, I thought you had some really good advice where it's, you know, of course, start with people. Like if you can get a mentor, pick someone's brain, you know, take on some side projects. That's a great way to start. There's a ton of free resources online. Um, yeah. And then the last piece I would say is I, I, again, I highly recommend checking out, um, UX goodies, just phenomenal content for people that are just getting started all the way up to you've been a designer for 10 years, you're still going to get some, some value. So just a consistently great Instagram handle. So thank you, Iwana, for joining. And we'll definitely have you back on a future episode of Design Huddle.
1: Thank you very much, Ryan. This was super fun. <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brendan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode. Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warner, a UX designer based in New York City And my co-host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co-founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe and for now, let's dive into today's episode of Design Huddle.